Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast, Episode 4. Tonight, our guest is Randy Rusk from Do It Best Corp. Randy, thanks for being here tonight. It's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to this. Well, Randy, you and I have known each other for about 15 years now. Um, you were in a different capacity when we met at Do It Best. You were in HR. So we're going to talk a little bit about your <laughs> career path, how you had... That's an interesting one. It, yeah, yes. Yeah, the winding road from... The world the of long and yeah, winding long road. and winding road from product, video production work to HR to, to marketing. We'll, and we'll talk about all that. But I wanted to kick it off with something that's really timely. You just completed a very different kind of do it best market. Can you tell the listeners what is the do it best market and why was this year's event so different? Um, I suspect it had something to do with a little thing called COVID nineteen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, twice a year. We have what we call our spring and fall markets. It's an opportunity for thousands of independent hardware stores, home centers, and lumber yards who are aligned with Do It Best, a member-owned co-op. Uh, and that's they're in stores representing businesses all across the United States, coast-to-coast, border-to-border, and in more than 50 other countries. And so twice a year, we have buying markets, but it's not just a buying market. It's an opportunity for members to connect with vendors, with Do It Best staff, uh, to learn about programs, services, new products, uh, really to make their businesses better, to help them grow, and ultimately achieve their dreams as business owners uh, serving their communities. And so uh, we have, for more than 40 years, gotten together twice a year in the spring and the fall in Indianapolis. And uh, uh, this year, we had moved our spring market up. This was way before COVID had hit, but we'd moved it up from May to February. And that was really to, uh, to finally make a break of, it had been in May for many years, but graduations and um, school things and, and weddings. And there was just so many sure. things that was- Busy time of were, year. Yes. Yeah. And so we're like, let's go into February. Um, and so, I mean, uh, we, we look like geniuses well. yeah. now because <laughs> yeah. we were the, uh, within our industry, we were the last ones to hold a market oh, wow. uh, in 2020 because right after that, things- went sure. down the tube. Well, and, I bet uh, the city of Indianapolis was very happy that you were able to <laughs> pull Yes, they were then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe less so as we sure. started to face it, as we started to look into uh, the spring, and then as we were looking ahead to our fall market, where it was just, hey, uh, this isn't going to work. Sure. Uh, we, in an environment where it's about people connecting and lots of handshaking and hugs and business done over meals and uh, a lot of things that really require in-person engagement yeah. and doing that in the Indiana Convention Center and in Indy just that was that was just not in the cards and so we quickly uh, regrouped made the decision to go virtual as our entire industry sure. and well really anybody just who's had a convention yeah. uh, in fact I just saw that the uh, uh, consumer electronics show in Vegas and that's normally in January for their 2021 show has already been canceled. Yeah. So and if, if they're doing it, about yeah. everybody else will probably follow exactly. suit. Exactly. Yeah. So we, and that was the thing too, we started looking at the number of uh, conventions inside and outside our industry that were already making that call. And boy, you just, even if we could, could have pulled off the safety logistics to make that happen, you don't want to hold a party and not have anybody show up. For sure, for sure. Um, and so at the same time, this is also a critical time for our members to be able to uh, plan accordingly for their businesses. So for them to be able to make their purchases for spring, because our fall buying market is really focused on spring, which is 
the busiest uh, time of the year. It's it's for our member stores. It's like Christmas for a lot of other retailers because the spring is you're getting outside and yep. you're you're working on your house and you're painting and you're gardening and you're mowing and all those things that generate the activity uh, that around the products that our members have to sell. So the fall market's a big one, and uh, we wanted to be able to create a, an exceptional experience for them. Uh, that would allow for all the great buying, but also be able to connect in all the other ways that that we didn't want to give up by not having a live event. And so we uh, did our due diligence. We've got a whole team of people who that's they're putting on sure. the markets as their primary responsibility uh, in communications. Uh, the, uh, the marketing division at Do It Best, our focus was on then telling that story. How do we get this out? How yep. do we demonstrate that this is going to be something fun, enjoyable. Uh, I'm pleased to share that uh, we we had uh, a really healthy turnout from our membership. More than 70% of our members uh, engaged in the fall market, at, which was just last week, and uh, really happy with, with the results of that and how we were able to connect with them. And I think everybody kind of got through this one and yeah. went, okay, that was good. That was great. There, there truly, there were some things that we've learned in a virtual world that sure. we want to bring over yep. into the live environment. But there were also, I heard from the members who I see every market, who I check in their kids, they bring their kids with them. And, you know, you see the kids getting older, coming into the business, passing the business on. Those are lifelong connections. And for someone like me, who's been at the company for more than 25 years, you, you, there's, that's a lot of life being lived. And boy, you, you miss that in the virtual world. Oh, you, sure. You don't get that. But there are a lot of other things streamlining, especially when you're talking about product ordering and buying and being able to look at um, the best deals and, and be able to uh, plan out your your buying for the coming season. There's some value about the tie-in with the virtual, but we'll see what the spring brings. Yeah, well, I mean, it sounds like your timing was about as good as it could have been because you still got the value of doing a live event in February, and then you had the opportunity for everybody else to be a guinea pig, and for your exactly, yeah, for your members <laughs> to get used to this virtual world because that's you know now it's it's almost more commonplace that people are used to doing things differently. Yes, we certainly did not need to introduce the concept of a virtual yeah. market. Uh, so we we are again sometimes you're blessed with great you can have great plans yeah. but sometimes you're blessed with great timing yeah well and it's a great event i've had the opportunity to be involved as a presenter in the education portion mm -hmm. of the market I've loved that experience, and this year was very different. It was yes, me we recording had you a as one of our yeah. Knowledge Central presenters yeah. in a virtual environment. Recording a segment by myself in my den, but it worked <laughs> out fine, so I appreciate being involved in that. Well, well, talking about changes, you know, I want to hear a little bit about your career path. On this podcast, we really talk about three things. One is the professional's career path, how you got to the place where you are today, and that's really to help people understand that it is a very winding road. It's rare that someone starts their career in one place and stays in that place. Uh, you know, for the for the entirety of it. Then we talk a little bit about the organization you work for. You've already shared some great things about Do It Best Corp. I want to hear a little bit more. And then we talked about some of the challenges, some of the exciting things you're working on because everyone's going through this. And you know, there's there's something to be said about uh, that empathy of hearing other people who mm -hmm. are going through things and, and hearing things that are exciting people is maybe a little bit of inspiration. So as far as the career path goes, um, you know. Let's let's start at the beginning, whatever that means to you. And and how did you start finding your finding your feet as a as a professional and, and getting something like a career started? 
So, you know, as, as you were sharing with me ahead of time, kind of where we were going with this, it did give me some time to just kind of pause and think about that. It was a, it actually was a really great exercise. Uh, I'll be 53 in about a month and a half. And just kind of think about that point and where you're at in your life and, and how did I get here? Um, and it was because as you and, get older, and, you forget how you got here. I, well, and I, I also have uh, <laughs> yeah. two daughters. Yeah. One is 20, one is 22. Okay. The 22 year old just graduated from yep. IU, missed her entire oh, final no. semester yeah. of her senior year oh, of yeah. college. Her, uh, uh, she had gotten a Fulbright, was going to be going oh, off to no. Mexico oh, to geez. teach English for a year. All of that is up in the air, of course, oh, now. Man. But I was telling both of them, hey, just because what you had planned hasn't played out, sometimes you just have to take that step and see where it goes. And sometimes you may have a a thought about where you're going to go, and then later you can look back at that. So what's fun about today is being able to kind of where I am right now at this point in time and go, how did I get here? (laughs) (laughs) So how did I get here? Um, I'll tell you, uh, it really started, the very first thing was, and this is going to date me a little bit. I've already said I'm almost 53, but there used to be uh, infomercials that would run mm-hmm. late nights, and there was one that, and I, I don't remember what the whole thing was, but there was this highly energetic little English guy, and there was Mike. Mike was the the host, somewhat befuddled host. <laughs> wore wore this multicolored sweater. Do you okay. do you remember these? I don't, but okay. But, it's, it's, but it they would like play it was like the 90s, maybe? late at night. Yeah. Yes, yeah. early 90s. Yeah. But they would play uh, uh, late at night and and into the late eighties even too. But um, he was always trying to solve a problem, and there was this little guy who would be going, "Mike, let me show you what you need to do, Mike. <laughs> All right here, Mike." And and it was just hawking products. So they had a shtick. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But and they were hawking products, yeah. but they did it in a way that was there was excellent storytelling. Yeah. And it was features and benefits, and it's just weaving a story into all of that. And I remember distinctly going, this is what I want to do with my life. Hmm. Not, was I didn't want to host. I yeah. wanted to be like part of the, the process of putting that all together. So what was it about that that caught your interest? Uh, just that I found myself, maybe it was justifying blowing the time of sitting there <laughs> watching it going, hey, if I'm watching this, maybe somebody yeah. else will too. Well, that's a good point for sure. Um, yeah. But I just, it was, I loved the, the sets and the storytelling and how they would set things up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, one time it might be uh, they were selling some kind of car polish that would fix scratches, but there would be a car in the studio and yeah. there's a live audience and, uh, you know, all of that, which yeah. I, I'm sure if I looked at it now, I'd be like, this, really? This is what I wanted to do. This is this is the the course that I was charting. But yeah. it was that. That yeah. was the thing because, you know, I'm – Wrapping up high school, this would have so yeah, this would have been late eighties because uh, I graduated in eighty six from Northrop. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, my parents are like, "Well, what do you?" And they never really put a ton of pressure on me, mm-hmm. but they were going, you know, you don't have to have it all figured out when you go in your freshman year, but you should kind of have a sense of where you want to go. You have some things figured out, and yeah. so um, you know, I uh, marketing that was I was oh, I want to be in marketing, yeah. So and and those those old infomercials were what really kind of got yeah. me thinking. This is what I want to do. So I head down to IU yep. Bloomington and uh, taken all the prereqs, which the marketing path at that time uh, included. It was business marketing, which I didn't realize 
at the time. <laughs> but uh, uh, so I had economics uh, and accounting yeah. and huge lecture halls and statistics. Yeah. And I'm going, I hate this. <laughs> yeah. This is marketing. Yeah. I and, hate and this. And how, how much of that do you use today? <laughs> None. None. Yeah. In yeah. fact, it just, it's still uh, the, the one part of my job today that I am, I have to continually get better at, but I like the least is like the least. Yeah, I least like yeah. is uh, is the the budget finance. Yeah. Well, I think there's something about most marketers. Our, our brains aren't wired that way, and and there's some people who are better at it than others. But I know that if our folks ask me to do an exercise with numbers, I immediately cringe because I'm just so creative and word oriented, and I really have a lot of respect for the people who are number people are who are numbers yeah. oriented because I'm not. I've <laughs> just this last year, I've really redoubled my efforts to really understand the income statement. Mm -hmm. Because even in communications, there is value and importance in being able to understand what those numbers mean sure. relative to the success of the company, sure. which at the end of the day, I am tasked with helping tell the story sure. of Do It Best. So I need to understand the financial performance story yep. as well. But a lot, easier, a lot easier to tell the story if you can speak the language. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so... I'm in all these classes and I am just, I'm drowning. I am hating this. I'm like, this is not Mike in the multicolored sweater, <laughs> storytelling, yeah. video production, audio production. This is not what I want to do. And and it was it was my, I was midway through my uh, sophomore year. So it was just through the first semester of my sophomore year. And I had been, and in high school, I had been a, top performing student, graduated at the top of my class, and I had tested out a lot of stuff. So I'm in these classes that I'm getting my butt kicked, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. basically. And, yeah. and that was a that alone was a humbling experience sure. um, to not be have everything coming really easily. And then going, I don't this is not what I want to do. This is not what I like. And uh, and I'm sitting in my counselor, the guidance counselor's office, and I am I, I'm feeling like a broken person and mm -hmm. who is it you know when you're in your late teens early 20s sure. and you're in college and you know uh, everything is up for grabs yes. yeah absolutely <laughs> and I I, I yeah. distinctly even sitting here now I can remember sitting across from her and and saying this is not what I don't know what I'm doing I don't know what classes I should be taking and I'm watching her at this point she's cutting out pieces of clip art from another piece of paper and using a glue stick and making some little sheet about some event that she was going to be posting up to the bulletin board. And she's like, uh-huh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, she's not, she's not even, this is pointless. Mm -hmm. And just at about the point that I was ready to just throw in the towel, another guidance counselor had walked by and heard our conversation and she stepped in mm. and she said, well, Randy, do you, have you heard of the school telecommunications? I was like, no, what, <laughs> what is that? Mm -hmm. I, I had not, which yeah. so today surprises me sure. that because I thought I'd done really good research on yeah. IU at the time, and um, I was like, I don't know what the school. She said, I. It sounds to me like that's what you want to be huh. in. Yeah. So then she, you know, it's like then this book opens and it's like, oh, yeah, because yeah. there's all these. Yeah. It's audio production and video production, and I'm looking at all this stuff, going, man, this. Yeah. Wish you had known about it. This yeah, is before, why. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Well, I would have loved to have not taken. I ended up though. It did allow me to get a business minor. Yeah. For, for all that that was worth. Well, but hey, yeah. 
So that's yeah. what really started me. And then I just, once once yeah. I got locked in with that, then that just took off. I enjoyed all those classes. And this is where I was like, yes, this that was the affirmation that I was headed down the right path. Yeah. Um, well, I, that, those, those stories, those interventions that are trans- transformational, it's amazing to me how almost everyone I talk to has that moment in their career when they're in school, when someone just taps them on the shoulder and points them in a different direction that is, mm-hmm. you know, a game changer for them in terms of their career in their life. So it's, yeah. it's interesting. I wouldn't mind that. zapping back in time just to thank yeah. that person. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, she, I, I don't know where I would be today had mm-hmm. that moment. And then yeah. you start going, Oh, yeah. if I start thinking about all that too much, it, yeah. yeah, it gets, yeah. it starts to get pretty, pretty <laughs> wild. But so uh, I, I graduated from IU with, uh, um, with a degree in telecommunications Um Stayed over the summer, worked at the public television station mm-hmm. there. Got to work with some really cool people uh, who did all sorts of production work, and uh, and I real I went. This is yeah. This is what I like doing: set design and thinking through camera angles and and directing and and all that goes into producing yep. uh, some good storytelling. And then it was like, okay, I got to do something with my life. And I was not coming back to Fort Wayne, Indiana. That mm-hmm. was to me, uh, again, I can look back at it now and realize <laughs> who I was then yeah. and the whole big wide world opened to me, but uh, coming back to Fort Wayne was going to be seen as a failure. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so I had applied for jobs in Indy, in Cincinnati, in Chicago and nothing, you know, I just, I didn't have a deep bench of experience and so I made the, and I was uh, my now wife, almost 30 years married, but mm-hmm. at the time. Congratulations. Dating, thank you. Yep. But uh, at the time, uh, we were kind of going, well, what are, what are we going to do? Sure, sure. Was and she from Fort Wayne? She was from Marion, but Marion. I met her at IU. Got it. Okay. Um, but she was living in Fort Wayne yep. because she was doing her student teaching and uh-huh. finishing up her okay. stuff. So it was, hey, we got to, there's some things we got to figure out, like relationship-wise, yeah. but work-wise, and um uh, I fortunately had a, a very generous aunt and uncle who let me come and live with them nice. for a yep. little while. So I wasn't moving back into my old bedroom and, yep. you know, all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> And yeah. I, it was a nice little setup. Sure. But I also knew that, man, the time is coming. I got it. And I had set myself a, a period of time of like my full-time job right now is to find a job mm-hmm. in the industry. Yes. And if I don't have it by then, it was... I'm going to apply to McDonald's mm-hmm. or I, yeah. I'm going to do something. Yeah, sure. Um, which, boy, it's, you know, it's one of those things, too, where you get, I realize now how close I was to yeah. had something not happen. So, yeah. uh, but I had applied at Wayne TV mm-hmm. and uh, ended up getting offered an opportunity to start part-time, uh, working evenings and weekends. But, man, I, it was, I remember when I got the phone call, I was at my parents' house uh, and I, I cried mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I was getting yeah. a minimum wage job. Well, yeah, well, somebody TV took a chance on you. I mean, that's where I'm working yeah. nights yeah. and making no money. Yeah. I still had to work another part time job to yeah. to live. Yeah, but it but, seemed like the greatest thing yeah, in the world yeah, at the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, the first night I'm standing there during the evening newscast. Back then, it was Joe Gregory and Ellen Akins, and I'm holding the camera and. And, you know, it's like, oh, when I pan over for the over the shoulder graphic, it's like how many thousands of people. Yeah. That lasts about a week. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of, yeah. you know, that kind yeah. of excitement. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Then then you just then it's then it's work. Yeah, it's second nature at um, that point. Yeah. 
But, you know, those early days and I, I worked part time and then I got full time. Mm-hmm. I still did a lot of freelance work, mm-hmm. tried to get build my network. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, uh, Navel, North American Van Lines had a, a in-house production studio because they did a lot of they were doing a lot of video production. So I did some freelance there was then also heard about some freelance opportunities at what was then HWI, Hardware mm, Wholesalers, okay. uh, kind of sandwiched in between Fort Wayne and New Haven off of 930. And so I would go over there, and they paid really good money, yeah, almost sure. twice what I was making at, at Wayne. Yep. And uh, and I don't want to knock Wayne at all. That was It's like one of those things, again, you look back at those moments of going, I couldn't be here had I not yeah. been there. And there were a lot of great life lessons learned, some good, some some kind of, sure. some were good in the character building, some were like, boy, sure. if I ever have an opportunity, I'm going to, to to be a leader, I'm going to do this or not do this. That's right. Um, yep. But, you know, in, in a mid-market like uh, Fort Wayne, too, there are a lot of people in and out the doors, yep. both from the, the anchors and reporters, but also from the production side, sure. people on their way up in their career and people yep. kind of finishing yeah. their careers. So, so how long were you at Wayne altogether? Uh, three years. Three years, okay. So from 91 to 94. Mm-hmm. Um, but during that time, I was also, I was painting houses. Okay. I was working freelance yep. at Navel and at HWI. Mm-hmm. And an opportunity came up to move into a full-time job at HWI. And, you know, it's kind of, even even then, it was a little bit like, well, I've got this good thing going here. And if I stay at Wayne, I could yeah. eventually become a director. and But it was also at the height of your game there, you're working the evening newscasts. Sure, sure. It's a demanding job. And, and you go kind of, yeah. how do you how do you have a family? And yeah. People did it. Were, people were did your it. kids, were your kids no born kids yet at, at that, that point? point. Okay. No. You're looking ahead. You're saying, yeah. where do I want to be? Right. Yeah. And, you know, for, uh, my wife worked a day job, and mm-hmm. so it put a lot of pressure on mm-hmm. us early in our marriage yeah, sure. of just the weekends yeah. because I'd get home at 1130, 11.45, and I'm still buzzing from the mm-hmm. evening, and she's been in bed for an hour, yeah. and then she'd be up and gone before I'd get up, and so yeah. we would only see each other on the weekends. So that was also, again, people did it, people still do it, yeah. but I also was like, I don't think this is going to work for me long term, and so the opportunity at HWI came up, and it was working. They had an in-house video production uh, studio. I'd never heard of them before. Mm-hmm. I like I said, I've lived in Fort Wayne all my yeah. life, but I was one of the many who were, yeah. what is Historically, HWI? it was a very quiet company. Yes. Yeah. Uh, That's changed. But. Yes, it has. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad to say I'm part of yeah, for sure. the, the, the change that's been made. But at the time, for it sure. was, um, and, and the belief back then was that uh, um, we have member stores in the area. We don't want to mm-hmm. overshadow sure. them. Sure. But it's also over the years that has hurt our ability to be effective in recruiting sure. and entertaining staff if people don't know we're there. Correct. Plus, we were back before the Maplecrest overpass was yeah. there. We were just stuck really between hidden. the train yeah. tracks. Yeah, for sure. So I, wor- uh, so I started working there. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, over a period of seven years, I worked my way up to becoming the video services supervisor. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, it, and this is the, the reflective part because I look back at that and think at the time I was known as the video guy. Hmm. If I was walking around the building and I didn't have a camera over my shoulder, it was, hey, where's your camera? Yeah. Oh, you going to shoot a video of us? <laughs> it just, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Like, ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I heard that one 10 uh, times today. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, back then we were also <laughs> slinging a three quarter inch deck uh-huh. over one shoulder and a big heavy yeah. tube camera on the other shoulder. Today it's. Yeah. So it was, it was conspicuous. I shoot video yeah. on my phone now mm-hmm. that we 
that we use to distribute. Sure. So, but back then, yeah, you you make a presence, and yeah. um, but it was a great experience. But I'd been doing that, like I'd say for it was um, about well, actually, I did that for from '94 to 2004. So about ten years uh, all told. But um, I read I was reaching that point where. The, the fun was starting to go out of it. Mm-hmm. I felt like everything I'd done, we'd, we'd moved from a tape-based system mm-hmm. to a nonlinear digital editing system. And we were just at the point where VHS was starting to fade away and DVD was becoming mm-hmm. the big thing. And I'd already kind of gone through one big mm-hmm. technology shift. Yep. And, uh, and I was just feeling like, man, everybody I know who spends their whole life in video, I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of them are divorced, they're bald, <laughs> they're stressed out. And I was like, man, I just, I don't want to be one of so those. So you saw your future. And, and yeah. I didn't want to be pigeonholed as the video guy. Yeah, Although, sure. uh, and I'll get to this in just a minute, uh, I've come, it's come back into my life. But yeah. at the time, after 10 years of doing sure. that, I was like, I really want to do something else. And I Sat down and had a conversation with uh, Nancy Harris, uh-huh. who uh, is our benefits manager today. But I just said, "Man, I, I really I want to do something else. I, I love working here, but I I don't know what I don't know if what I'm skilled at, good at, if I can do anything else. If there is anything else that." my skill set could transfer over because I'm the video guy. So you're open to possibilities at this point. Yes, but I also didn't see that there were a lot open for me. Um, Even though, again, in hindsight, that was kind of short-sighted to me, and I've used that lesson to help educate others as well. But uh, she said, well, we we have an opening in human resources. (laughs) Human resources? I don't (laughs) Hiring people? I don't... (laughs) I mean, I know this company pretty well, and I know yeah. how we operate, but I, I don't know. I don't have a. I, I didn't go to school for yeah. that. I don't know. I don't know any. I don't know the yeah. first thing about HR. <laughs> and she's like, that, "That's okay. We could. We can teach you." Yeah. And uh, and again, the benefit of hindsight, I can look at at the time. There were a lot of skills that I had developed mm-hmm. in video production and marketing yep. in general. Uh, so when I I did become a HR administrator. But the first thing I did was I uh, revamped our company newsletter. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, one of the things I, I, I take great pride in is I killed the recipe column <laughs> and the crossword puzzle. Yeah, yeah. And I started putting in meaningful news, yeah. relative, uh, and filler. mostly yeah. a lot of profiles. So I started telling stories. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, but the, so there was one thing where it's like, hey, this is applicable. Then I, was, uh, then I got started to get assigned projects that were event organized. Mm-hmm. So it was live events, helping uh, draft some speeches yep. um, and work with the video team on some things. Um, and so there were some things I could immediately contribute to and help improve. And then over time, I, I ended up getting my PHR certification mm-hmm. and uh, and did that for seven years mm-hmm. and was really enjoying yeah. it. And I kind of thought, well, this is kind of interesting. Yeah. You know, I start out and uh, have a whole background in telecommunications and got me to that point. And now I'm going to, I guess, for the rest of my career, I'm going to yeah. be an HR professional. Well, and it's funny because my image of Randy Rusk is he's the guy who used to be the HR guy who's now the marketing guy. Right. I didn't know anything about the video production side. So, <laughs> so that's one of the reasons I like That's what's funny, too, is yeah. because when <laughs> I was, I knew I had been reached a level of success in HR when I would tell people, well, oh, I, I spent 
you know, I was 10 years in the video studio and they're like, you did video? <laughs> yeah, when you, they kind of forget this, where you You haven't from. done this all this time? Yeah. No, I'm yeah. I'm only two, three years in. Yeah. But So I was seven years in. This was 2011. It was Labor Day weekend. I was up in Auburn looking at some really cool Ferraris uh-huh. when the VP of the marketing division at the time, uh, Tim Miller, uh, called my cell and said, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm looking at these cool Ferraris. She's like... Um, well, what are you doing next week? And I said, well, I'm, I'm actually taking vacation. I plan on being off. It was Labor Day weekend. And he's like, would you would you be interested in coming in and talking with us about the uh, communications manager position? Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? <laughs> why? <laughs> why? Why would you think me? And he goes, because, you know, I'm now in HR administrator uh, mindset. He's like, well, your your varied background really could be a good fit. You've worked, and when I was in HR, one of the thing, one of the other primary things I did that was truly HR um, driven was working with performance management with our executive team. Mm-hmm. So I got to work closely with all of our VPs on some rather sensitive things, sure, um, and helping them with how to communicate that yep. stuff. And so again, at, unknown at the time, but that became a really good bridge for boy. There are some great ways that those skills I learned in mm-hmm. HR and video yeah. production can now be brought with me. Yeah. And so uh, I, I I had gone in that Tuesday, so Monday was Labor Day, but I went in that Tuesday uh, on vacation and sat down with then President and CEO Bob Taylor. Mm-hmm. And there had, the other thing too going on with this is there had been some pretty frequent turnover in sure. that position. Sure. And it had been mostly outside folks coming in <laughs> sure. and for a variety of reasons. Well, you gotta be a cultural fit in addition to being skilled. Yeah. And it it didn't fit for a variety of reasons. And so I'm looking at that too going, man, I don't. uh, (laughs) I'm gonna be the next victim of that. Yeah, yeah. I wanna wanna continue on. I I love working at this company. I wanna continue working here. And um, so I wanna, Bob talked with me a little bit. It was very informal. Um, And I just said, he he said, do you have any questions for me? And, And mine was, what is your what is your measure of success in this role? How 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 will someone in this role know that they are successful? And I use it still. I tell everybody on our team today the same thing that Bob told me then was t- when you're telling the do it best story, mm-hmm. then you will be successful. Mm-hmm. And that is our that's our litmus test for everything. Yeah. Now there's a ton of things you can throw in that bucket of what is the do it best story sure and it continues to change and evolve and grow sure well well, that's if you don't mind that's a perfect transition into so so before i jump to the transition because i want to talk about the do it best story Mm -hmm. what is this entity known as do it best and and how do you describe it to people before i do that anything else career-wise any any other milestones well, I, I'm now the longest-serving communications director in the company's so history. So how long have you been in that position? Uh, this is, let's see, that was uh, nine years. Okay. All right. Wow. So, wow. I Yeah, time goes by really fast. Yeah, it's really hard. It's, it's weird to think about like 10 years and seven years and yeah. nine years, these big chunks of time. And, yeah, which and used go, to be half your life. I went, <laughs> when I started there, I yeah. had no kids, and now I've got a 22-year-old and yeah. a 20-year-old. Wow. And, and starting to contemplate what's going to what's going to be next. Yeah, sure, sure. So, so really interesting career path, and it's it's landed you for the a good chunk of your career at a company that's extremely well known in terms of its name and its prestige in, in this area. I'd I mean, like to think so now. Yeah, I think I think most people know 
that Do It Best Corp is a big company in Fort Wayne. But I think if you asked them, what's that place all about? Like a lot of companies, yeah. most people on the street wouldn't know. So how do you describe it to people? So uh, uh, to your point, for many years, that I, even when I was recruiting in HR and, and people would ask me, where do you work? And I'd say, do it best. And like, oh, do you like the, uh, yeah. are you a sales you work in person? in the garden section? Or, yeah, are, you, or, yeah, yeah. are you a cashier? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a store manager? Yeah. No, I do not work. Uh, it's those are interesting jobs, but that's not my job. Yeah, sure. Um, so, Do It Best was founded in 1945 by Arnold Gerberding right here in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and uh, uh, we're celebrating our 75th anniversary this year. Kind of on the tail end of that now, mm-hmm. but um, you know, 75 years ago, this uh, diminutive man who was full of energy set out to talk to hardware store owners in Indiana, Michigan. In Ohio, and and preach to them the benefits of forming a co-op. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, he wanted to call the company Royal Hardware Corp. Um, but as the first board got together in June of '45, they voted him down, and Hardware Wholesalers Inc. or HWI uh, became our name. And uh, uh, what's interesting to me too, and this is one of those like all the ways that life connects is that I, I had an opportunity when I was freelancing at HWI to work with Don Wolf. Mm-hmm. He had, by the time I joined the company, he had retired, but, um, but I got to work with him while I was freelancing. Uh, of course I worked with, um, Mike McClelland and then Bob Taylor and now Dan Starr. Uh, the only, so the only person I never worked directly with was Arnold Gerberding. Oh, However, yeah. my dad was a high school English teacher and would mow yards during the summer. He had a lawn mowing business, and I would work with him, and I got to mow his widow's yard. <laughs> and I didn't know that until I had worked at, at HWI yeah. for a while. And, but I remember Mrs. Gerberding's yard in, oh. in Imperial Gardens and having a, this big pine tree in the backyard that we would all <laughs> – flip a coin to see who had to mow around yeah. that tree. So even though I wow. never worked directly with Arnold, he had passed away uh, in the 70s, sure. but I, I did mow his widow's well, there you go. Uh, yard. So yeah. I, I feel like I have, comes I'm somewhat connected to the whole history yeah, of the company sure. in that regard. But uh, so Arnold had this vision for this uh, moderately sized regional co-op, but as as he retired and Don Wolf took over, it really became apparent that to, to grow – um, to succeed, you had to grow, mm-hmm. and and growth took many shapes. But Don led a lot of that initial growth by expanding our borders, mo- building warehouses outside of <clears throat> Fort Wayne. The first mm-hmm. one was in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, and then added in Dixon, Illinois, and Medina, Ohio, and started to extend our reach to go from being a regional co-op to a national co-op. Uh, Don is a, in some ways, a mythical figure mm-hmm. in in. Fort Wayne and certainly in Indiana. We certainly were uh, sad at his passing just about a little over a year ago um, at 90 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but even even in his 90th year, he was still, his brain yeah. was firing. He had ideas all the time. He would, um, I'm probably going to get choked up here just thinking about it. Thank God. He would call me every year because uh, he knew I was the communications director and uh, he would call me every year after the annual report came out, and mm-hmm. he would tell me what a great job I did. Oh, that's great. And, you know, it's yeah. just like one of those things where you go, yeah. uh, last year was the first 
Oh, wow. It was the first year I didn't get the call. Yeah, well, and it's one of those things where he didn't have to do it, but you yeah. probably didn't know how much you appreciated it either. Yeah. yeah. And wow, that's great. It was it, it was just like, it was one of those things that you, you it was kind of nice because, you know, old, old Don Wolf called me and yeah. said we did a nice job. And yeah. and then the year that I didn't get that call, you that's when you kind of go, oh, yeah, I that's I, that's when it makes the impact. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, so, but Don, Don was a growth-minded sure. individual, uh, um, really set the company forward in its its path. Of course, then uh, Mike McClellan, Bob Taylor brought their own energy to that, and as has Dan Starr, in really challenging us to look for ways, new ways to help our independent dealers grow. And that's uh, that's really the core of what sure. we do. Is we we have thousands of independent hardware stores, home centers, lumberyards, all over the world, correct? Uh, e-commerce, e-tailers, uh, and industrial commercial mm-hmm. distributors all part of this member-owned co-op yep. um, uh, on our way to $4 billion wow. in sales. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, you know, the way co-op works is the net profit of the company sure. at the end of the year is, is returned, distributed in the form of rebates, yep. which then help those store owners fuel their additional growth by buying more businesses, expanding their current operations, invest in inventory. But it's their way to be able to uh, compete and win Mm -hmm. against big box competition or Amazon or Mm -hmm. any other number of things. And, you know, this year, which was a complete uh, reversal of fortune in a very good way in that our uh, independent dealers were deemed essential Mm -hmm. throughout the pandemic. So we've had... A phenomenal year, and we, and I say that uh, with all due respect to the many businesses that did oh, sure. not have sure. a good year or sure. where they've struggled. But um, our our industry had w- was very robust this year. Sure. Well, um, I mean, you have more people working outside in their yards because they yep. can't do much else. You have sales of cleaning products. You have sales of all the stuff that is truly essential to people yes. living. So. In, in most markets, we had some markets where mm-hmm. uh, Michigan for a while had closed all new construction. Yep. Yep. So we had uh, uh, owners, store owners there, lumber yards there that felt a bit of the pinch. Um, and and even, even in that success, there's still many challenges. The ability to source product, the supply chain right now is really, mm-hmm. I mean, if you go into the grocery store, there's by, still empty shelves. We we joke mm-hmm. about the toilet paper, but man, you used to be able to get Cottonelle in the four pack, eight pack, yeah. double roll, triple roll, twenty four triple roll. Yeah, you. Yeah. And now it's here's one eight yeah. pack of Cottonelle. That's it. That's, that's right. That's yeah, all you, you got. Feel lucky if that's there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the same thing is in our industry. Yeah. Is the manufacturers are focused on sure getting their core products yep. and sure. Sure. So, so we kind of that's that's what we do. So, Our job is to help find yeah. source product uh, for these independent dealers, but also then to provide them the programs and services, store design, yep. marketing to help them compete and win in the marketplace. So, so Randy, how do you describe the, the size of Do It Best Corp? Because that's the thing that's always impressive to me is that the, just the sheer massiveness of the company. Yeah, so we have uh, a total of about 1,800 employees Mm -hmm. nationwide. We've got our world headquarters in Fort Wayne uh, off Nelson Road. We have about 425 uh, folks there across eight divisions. Um, Interestingly, when you think about we're in wholesale distribution Mm -hmm. of home improvement products, of those eight divisions in our world headquarters, the largest division by far is IT. 
Hmm. It's not logistics. Huh. It's not yeah. uh, finance, marketing. It is a, a quarter of our staff are in IT because really? it's about driving operational efficiency. Huh. Interesting. Um, Never would have guessed that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which, again, is I think the, you know, especially as we've, as do it best has been linked in the news lately with sure. other things going on. Um, you know, we're, we're thought yeah. of as because our building was built in 1947, it does have a row of bays mm-hmm. and we've got a huge back area yeah. that, that is used primarily for storage. Mm-hmm. I mean, after all, we've got 75 years of <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That has been just piled up and, sure. you know, there's air back there that Arnold Gerberding <laughs> had been breathing. Yeah. But, uh, um, so so there's a misconception yeah. sometimes that we're this warehouse. We do, but we do because we have all the space we have in the business that we do. We do some broken loads, so there are trucks that come and go. Yeah. Um, but that's really a very that's a hmm. there are two or three people who work yeah. doing that. The the vast majority are professional positions yeah. who are it run. Yeah a international distribution company along with then eight regional warehouses across the United States um, from Montgomery, New York, all the way out west to Woodburn, Oregon. Mm-hmm. We have a China office. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're, we have member stores, as I said, from border to border and coast to coast in the U.S. as well as in f- more than 50 other countries with a heavy concentration in Central and South America, the Caribbean. Wow. So it's kind of like a tech company that just happens to yes. <laughs> do hardware and, right. and yeah, lumber stuff. Wow, mm-hmm. that's great. So um, let's talk about some of the projects that you're working on right now. And, and you can pick, pick a couple, the things that to you are most exciting, most challenging, most interesting, whatever, whatever is uh, most compelling to you. Talk to us about what you're working on and why it's interesting to so you. So I'll go back to telling the do a best story. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, one of the most fun ways to tell the do a best story. Every industry has their own collection of industry mm-hmm. magazines. Yep. And we have one of the things I'm really proud of that our team has been able to do over the nearly the last decade is build a really positive, engaging, collaborative relationship with our trade press. Mm-hmm. It is it is not a combative, confrontive trade press. There it, it is it is their, their markets are to share information on business best practices with independent hardware stores, home centers, and lumberyards, yep. and which is what we do. And so uh, we've built a really good relationship with them. And the most fun I have is in finding cool things that our members do mm-hmm. and then pitching those stories to the trade magazines and you know, especially when you get one that you think, man, this is this is a really good mm-hmm. story, and then it makes the cover. Yeah, and so uh, that's that's the thing that it's a quadrant that I love to spend time in, but it's also one that because of all the other things that I am responsible for, I'm not able to spend nearly as much time as sure. I would like to in sure. there. But then at the same time, that's really not for for the things that are incumbent upon the communications director. Yeah. Uh, yeah coming up with stories and pitching them. Sure. And, uh, I'll give you an example of one that, that recently came across my desk. A uh, store owner, uh, their paint department, mm-hmm. they had a big piece of cardboard, and they eventually moved to a piece of canvas for the full idea. But um, they every time you mix paint, you get a paint smudge on your mm-hmm. finger, and they'd wipe their finger on this piece of cardboard. And the, the store owner noticed after time that, hey, we're kind of almost building an impressionistic mm. painting. Interesting. So she actually went out and got a piece of canvas on a board, and they started intentionally, every uh, quart 
every gallon, yeah. every five gallon container of paint that they made, they dip their finger and take a smudge. And so this year, yeah. over thousands of cans of paint, they have created this really cool painting. Oh, wow. It actually looks like a a rooster mm-hmm. on a, a coming out of or a pheasant. It's it. I'm not quite sure, <laughs> but it's really neat. And it yeah. all came from every uh, gallon quart of paint oh, wow. that was mixed. And you know, you kind of. And then they're going to. So customers said, "Well, that's really neat. Can I buy that?" And they thought, "Well, maybe we should auction this off." Well, who would we auction it to? Well, let's let's ask our customers mm-hmm. what charity we yeah. could donate the yeah. proceeds to. So that that hasn't happened yet, sure. but. There, you know, it's just like a, a cool thing like that. And you go, well, that's something another. Th- so that's this store in this town. Yeah. But another store could do that. Maybe. Absolutely. And so yeah. wouldn't this mag? Yeah. maybe this magazine would be interested in yeah. profiling them sure. doing this thing. And yeah, there's a little bit of inspiration of, for, for other people who have the same, you know, challenge or opportunity, yeah. if you will. Yeah. And so, you know, when you discover a story like that and then you talk to somebody, you get excited because yeah. they're excited and then they're excited because you're excited. Yeah. And, and then, you know, then it gets in a magazine that they've been getting in their store for. Yeah. 15 years and they're suddenly in it yep. and they're thrilled. Yeah. And then we always, one of the things we do now is we used to mat and frame it. Now we print it, back print it on mm-hmm. uh, Lexan. Mm-hmm. And so we send them yep. that oversized blown up of their yep. profile, which then of course they put in the oh, sure. front and center in their store. But that's for me, the bar none, if I could do that yeah. all day. Well, it's tangible, too. Yeah. I mean, you get to see the results of your work. Uh-huh. And, and in a, a relatively of, short period of time. Yeah, and a lot of what we do, especially in today's age, is kind of here and gone. And, you know, you do it, you work really hard, and then it's a blip on the radar screen. So it's kind of nice when something has a lasting impact like well, that. Well, and uh, there's so much technology affects so much of our yeah. job now, too. And we have built a whole Trello board up now that yep. really helps us uh, engage and interact with that. And we can track stories through. And, yeah. you know, once it's published, you put the link and you put that in yep. the archive. And so it's really built up a great resource and, and yep. a network for us too. But that's yeah, that's well, the most fun thing I do. Well, one of the things I remember, I, I worked with Do It Best for a period of time. I remember literally doing column inch measurements off of clip stuff clipped out of print publications to report back to Do It mm-hmm. Best the <laughs> the value of what they were getting in our right. media. So that if that makes me sound like a dinosaur, yeah, I'm a dinosaur. I remember yeah. those days. But so it's changed quite a bit and and but there's still a really lot a ton of value in that earned media and those stories. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, way more than paid uh-huh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So then the next thing I would say probably is, and and I'll tip of the hat to uh, Tim Miller, who was mm-hmm. my VP at the time. So this is about 2014, which doesn't seem like that long ago, but in the world of social media, mm-hmm. 2014 was, we were into it, but not into it. That's right. But, but Tim told me then that, hey, I want you to take over our social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what should we be doing? Yeah. And we had... Um, we had a Facebook page, but it was being managed by another department. Mm-hmm. Which today I look at it and go, how how did how did that ever make? Well, for sense social that, media, that's half a lifetime ago, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the other area I like for that that uh, the immediacy yeah. is developing really good stories yep. with photos mm-hmm. um, to post on Facebook. Yeah, we use Twitter, LinkedIn, um, but to have a, a to be able to again tell the do it best story. Through effective social media, and you know, we we know what kind of stories are going to hit and what people like, and yeah. we know what days are the best days to post sure. that kind of content. 
And we, we want to, again, be able to create an environment both to reinforce for our current members, hey, this is why you're part of this great company, but also for people who are going, well, who are you? What do you mm-hmm. believe in? What, do you, what yeah. are you there to do? The, yeah, because ultimately part of your media. job is promoting the co-op to prospective members, right? And back to our own members to yeah. reinforce to them, mm-hmm. to provide that stickiness to yep. them. Why, are, why, why this co-op and not another? Sure, sure. So one of the things that we like to do, anything else as far as big projects, exciting projects, mm. challenging projects? Oh, there's, yeah. I mean, there's, th- th- this year is kind of, it's kind of hard to avoid the halo effect of yeah. this year because everything has been challenging yeah, sure. and everything that we've had to do this year. Um, I, I like to be very organized. Mm-hmm. I like to have my day scheduled out Yep. Um, and we've got some great tools to do all of that. But one of the things that I have learned later in my life now is that there are times where you just have to surrender mm-hmm. to yeah. the process. Yeah. And uh, both with uh, planning for a virtual market, but also uh, planning in an environment where the majority of our staff were working remotely yep. for three months mm-hmm. um, and and business continuity plans and communicating COVID everything. Yeah, sure. Not just for our own staff, but for our members yeah. who were trying to work through the world of loans and yeah, oh, yeah. essential. what does essential business mean? Sure. And, uh, all of that stuff. There were weeks and weeks and weeks where I, I don't remember any of it. Yeah, for sure. For uh, sure. It just is all a blur. We kept it all logged. I yeah. can go back because we, we went, we, we had the foresight at the time to go, we need to keep track of everything we're doing because this will be a tremendous case study mm-hmm. later yeah. to go back and look at everything that we did. Sure. And what's most interesting and what I'm really proud of is the close relationship that communications had with human resources and, and admin uh, to where there were things we were doing early in the pandemic in communicating to our staff in whether it was in masks or social distancing or uh, just self-monitoring, the things we were doing to keep our team safe and communications played a big role in getting that message out. Um, We were well ahead of the curve with what a lot of other companies' best practices became. We were doing weeks, if not a full month before a lot of the country was there. So, uh, and communications, our team was right at the heart of all of that. Yeah, well, that's great. Because, you know, you have all this stuff coming in, you go, okay, well, we got to tell people. That's right. And how do you tell, how do you describe something that nobody yet really fully knows how to describe? And I mean, today we say social distancing like it's nothing, yet just a few months ago, if I had said yeah. social distancing, you'd be like, what is that? Yeah, well, and, and you know, I think everyone's had this thought, but I was, I was thinking the other day, I was like, what if someone, you know, Rip Van Winkle for six months and woke up today? No. <laughs> they wouldn't understand what's yeah. going on. Yeah. What's with everybody wearing masks? That's right. And That's right. Why are there cardboard cutouts of people at baseball right. games? Yeah. Why are there big plexiglass <laughs> shields around everything? Yeah, yeah. So the, the thing we like to do to, to wrap things up is to kind of recap three questions I asked, but to do like a quick hit. So this is the speed, okay. ra- speed round of the program. Oh, you... And you know me, I'm so brief in my responses. You, you and I could go on for, we're, we, we both like, like to be chatty. But uh, if you had to very briefly give a piece of advice to someone who was considering a career in marketing, just getting started in their career, and it doesn't even have to be marketing, what's some of the best career advice you've learned along the years? Well, uh, and we can reflect back to what we've just been talking about here, and that's everybody starts somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, your first job, uh, doesn't have to be the perfect one. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, there were a lot of things I really liked about my first job yeah. in the industry. There were a lot of things that um, 
you know, you pay your dues. Yep. And so that kind of every every position, good or bad, has has things you can bring to the next role. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I have always said it do it best, and this was when I was in HR, but I still kind of preach this today is you know, once once you get familiar with our company, then you've earned your do it best degree. Mm-hmm. And what again, I didn't know it at the time in making the move from video to HR, but it was I'd earned my do it best degree in mm-hmm. those ten years in video yep. that could take me into other opportunities. And so I, I still preach that today. But it's kind of that everybody starts somewhere. Yep. And every opportunity you can you know, you, you can learn, well, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't work out. Sure. And that's what I tell my kids today is, hey, try something. If you don't like it, then do something else. That's right. Um, or take what you learned and apply it the yeah. next one forward. Yeah, very, very little is terminal. Yes. Yes. So um, second question, if you had to describe Do It Best Corp to someone and you had just a couple minutes, what would be the key thing you'd want them to take away? Uh, I think the biggest one, this has been, uh, I think, what we've learned over this last year, especially as we're really looking to, you know, if we're pushing growth for our members, if we're if we're sincere in our commitment to help them grow, it's going to require us to grow too. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be able to uh, attract and retain really good em- employees. And so that's the thing that I, I think we have learned a lot is we're a international wholesale co-op approaching four billion in sales in Fort Wayne's backyard and we're full of professional positions in marketing Mm -hmm. and finance and logistics and human resources and project and product management and merchandising and um, that's the thing I think that most people still you know, they're like, oh, yeah, I saw your sign as I was going on the overpass. Yeah. And, yeah, you guys have a big parking lot, and you're in a big old building, which yeah. is all of that is true. Sure. But that building is full of some top-notch professional talent right here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, and we just are looking to, to grow that even more and add to that. Um, but having been in HR, I know that's also the biggest challenge because sure. um, we're not in an easy-to-find spot. Yeah. We're kind of, even though it's more easily accessible, we're by some old railroad tracks, which back in 1947 made a whole lot of sense for Arnold Gerberding because that was a functioning warehouse and we could roll train cars right in the side. Yeah, I I remember not so fondly going to the corporate office and getting stuck twice behind a train on the same train. Yes. (laughs) So it's great now because, yeah, you don't have that issue. But But you know, so... I, to summarize, it would be Do It Best is the kind of company with professional positions where somebody can come in, get their Do It Best degree, mm-hmm. and have a rewarding, rich career. I'm 26 years yeah. in. I've done three very distinctly different things in those 26 years that all had a thread of yeah. connectivity to all of it. And so is there anyone there who still knows you as the video guy? <laughs> uh, there are a few, <laughs> okay, but right. it's more in the nostalgic, hey, remember back when remember you used, used to, to do video? video? Yeah, that's well, now, in the, and this is, I didn't say this earlier, but as a connection point, now in my role as communications director, I oversee yeah. the video department. Yeah, so you've come so, full circle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the last question, Randy, is, you know, it's obviously a challenging time for, for everyone in just about every field, and that's true for marketers as well. If, if you were commiserating with a peer, someone who, you know, was going through some challenging times or trying to figure out a problem. What's the best piece of advice you think you could give someone in the year 2020 about this marketing environment? Uh, 
that if you wait till you have 100% of the information you need to make a decision, you're too late. Mm. Um, and that's part of what I said when I sur- surrendered myself a little bit yeah. is that uh, I, I like to go equipped with a lot of facts. Yep. And there have been a lot of times this year where we have made decisions when we've had 60, 70, 75% of the answer but we we did we move forward. Yeah. Um, some of that was really exhilarating mm-hmm. because we were able to get get in and make some headway really quick sure. without a bunch of meetings. Yeah. Um, there were some times we fell on our faces. Yeah. But you know you didn't. The the benefit was everybody was extending grace to each other because yeah. of the enormity of yeah. the. And I hate this word, but we say it a lot. Unprecedented nature yeah. of the pandemic. Yeah. Well, there's a reason people keep saying yeah. it because it's true. But yeah. you know, to to be able to to move more quickly, to go with not having everything. I mean, you, you still want to get as much as you can. But yeah. um, one of the things we've learned this year, especially, is if you wait until you think you have every part of it figured out. Uh, there are other people who've already moved on ahead of you. Yeah. And we've got a lot of great metrics that you can rely on. And that's the other thing, too, is just tr- trying a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And if they don't work, then try something else. That's right. Uh, but don't waste time um, commiserating yeah. about what didn't work. Look at what, what the data tells you. Look at what your your YouTube views or sure. your social media uh, metrics tell you. Uh, and then adjust and go again. Yeah, for sure. Well, in that spirit, you know, we could spend, you know, if we tried to cover 100% of the topics we could cover, we would be here for hours more, and your wife would not like that. So, Randy, and she's got uh, pulled pork cooking. So. All right, okay. Well, that's that's much better than me. So, um, well, I appreciate it. This has been great. You've got a great story. Love hearing your career story, and love hearing about this. This has been fun. Well, thanks. It's 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 due to you and your story. So, I appreciate it. Thanks, Randy. Thanks for being here. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another guest on the Asher Marketing Podcast. Have a great week.